Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Our next guest was a throwback to the days of two-back sets and lead blockers. Talk about Daryl Johnston of the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, he may have been the ultimate blocking fullback, taking on the first man in the hole so that Emmett Smith could rush for an NFL record 18,355 yards. So effective was Daryl that the NFL created a fullback spot on the Pro Bowl team in 1993, and he was voted the position each of the first two years. Today, of course, Daryl Johnston is an NFL analyst with Fox and our guest as he talks Cowboys, Redskins, and the fullback position. Gerald Johnston, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Daryl, let's start with the Redskins. Uh, that was a coming-out party for your Cowboys in 1992. The Redskins were coming off a Super Bowl championship, opening the season on Monday night in Dallas against the Cowboys. You prevailed 23-10, taking the first official step on the road to a dynasty. What did that game tell the Cowboys about themselves? I think the biggest thing was that all the hard work we had done over the past couple of years was starting to pay off. We had gone down to Austin for training camp, and they were very, very physical training camps, very demanding training camps. Um, <laughs> I think at times, you know, we, we were we were shocked at, at how uh, how challenging they were. And if you don't get validation at that point, then it can be uh, it can be something that could impact the team. But the previous year, we had opened the season against Washington as well, and, and had that heartbreaking loss, thirty-one thirty. You know, that was always motivation there for us, uh, you know, to get back there and have another opportunity. Uh, even though later in the season we were able to, to stop Washington's undefeated streak at RFK. So uh, it, it, was always, uh, it was always a big game at that time. That was one of the, that was one of the stretches during the course of my career that the, the Redskin-Cowboy rivalry uh, was exactly what it had always been back in the 70s because you had those big games with a lot at stake on the line. That was also, uh, Daryl, uh, the first game for uh, Hall of Famer uh, Charles Haley as a cowboy, and he had a sack, and he was terrorizing Mark Rippon most of the night. How much of an impact did Haley have on those championship teams in Dallas, in your opinion? I think he was the missing piece to the puzzle defensively uh, at the time. Uh, we had we had a good defensive front. We really did. Um, you know, Tony Tolbert came into my draft class. We had Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Casillas. Jimmy Jones was there. Uh, Leon Lett. You know, we had a lot of guys that were building off of both. But we didn't have that one guy yet that everybody needed to game plan for. Uh, if you were an offensive coordinator going up against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, we had good people up front, but we didn't have that one person that could disrupt and take over a game. And, and Charles provided that for us. And I think, you know, we, we've always talked about the definition of a, of a great player is somebody who makes everybody else better around him. And I think that that's one of the, the obvious things right there about Charles when he came to us. You could see – the elevation and play of the other players. Now that Charles had to be double teamed and chipped and people had to worry about him, there were more one-on-one opportunities for Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Tolbert, and Tony Casillas and all those other guys on the defensive line. And they were able to take advantage of that. And we were able to put together a really good rotation and create some great depth in our defensive line. Uh, and, and Charles was really, really key in, in doing that. So w- when he came to us, uh, I, I really do feel that he was that one missing piece that we didn't have yet on the defensive side of the ball. We're with former Dallas fullback and now Fox analyst Daryl Johnston. Daryl, Goose asked you about that 1992 Cowboys-Redskins game. I want to go one year forward and talked about the 93 game where the Redskins flipped the script on you. Um, you were the defending Super Bowl champions then, and you opened, as you remember, on a Monday night in Washington. Only this time, the Redskins won. 35 to 16. I will ask you the same question Goose did, but a little bit differently. 
What did that game tell you about yourselves other than Emmett Smith needs to get in uh, to camp and find <laughs> this holdout? Yeah, yeah, we need to get Emmett Smith signed <laughs> as quickly as possible. We let it go one more week, uh, you know, thinking that, that we were uh, – you know, an equal team, maybe maybe not quite as good, but but good enough without Emmett Smith. And we found out in week two, when we hosted the Buffalo Bills, that uh, that that wasn't true. So, um, I, I don't think anybody ever underestimated the importance uh, of Emmett Smith to that team. Um, obviously, you, you read his stats at the top of the interview. It's, just, it's amazing what he accomplished through his career. But I think a lot of people at times looked at our offensive line at that time and said. You know, obviously Emmett has a, a unique skill set and he can do things that, that other running backs can't, but we can put somebody else in there and we can be serviceable uh, behind that offensive line. You know, that offensive line is pretty good and they've got Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. They've got the other weapons around them. And we realized how valuable Emmett Smith really, really was to the dynamic of our team. And if, if you go back and you look at what North Turner did uh, at the different teams he was with, he always had that running back that he could use to control the flow of the game. And I don't think Edmund ever got enough credit. We talk about statistically what he did in his career from a number standpoint, but for us, the ability to to carry it 25, 28, 32 times in a game and salt away a victory. Uh, you know, still one of my favorite games in my career through that run was the game at RFK in 1991 when, when they were undefeated and we got the ball back with a little over seven minutes to go as an offense, and we never left the field. We never left the field that day. Uh, we, were, we took pride in being a very physical offense and being able to take time off the clock, and, and the main reason was Emmett Smith. You know, he, he could do that. He could, he could take that play that wasn't blocked exactly right when we needed five yards, and he could find a way to do it when there was maybe only two and a half, three yards there. So we learned that one early on. I think we, we all knew it. Uh, we were hoping it, that it wasn't true because we didn't know how long that holdout was going to take. You know, back then sometimes those holdouts took a long time. But after the after the second week, uh, Charles Haley made sure that we got back. Here <laughs> Charles <laughs> has a way of doing that. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Maybe that maybe that's the underestimated importance of Charles Darcy. Not only did he provide that that missing piece on the defense, but he helped get Emmett Smith into camp quickly. Hey, Darrell, the Cowboys had a history of great games. The Redskins in the seventies and the eighties. You know, one team always seemed to be standing in the way of the other. Did you sense that rivalry with the Redskins when you first arrived in Dallas in '89? Well, obviously in 89, um, during the transition, it, it, it really wasn't there. Uh, I think the strange part was the only game we won was at RFK. So all the Dallas Cowboy supporters and fan base always told us, if you were going to win one game in 1989, you should pick the right one to win. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was the one, the one rivalry that really, really stood out to the fans. And it ended up being, I think, a game that kept Washington out of the playoffs yes. in 1989. I think they finished 10-6, and six and they were one game out. So obviously the first game you would go to is a team that, that won only one game. So in, in 1990, we started to turn the corner. Um, but I really think in, in 91 and 92, the two games that we've talked about, those Monday night opening games, that's really when we got back to what it was like in the 70s. Obviously the Redskins started it off and, and with their Super Bowl win, and then we followed it up with ours. Uh, but but those were really, really good measuring sticks to start the season to see where you were. Were you going to be able to compete? And you had to do it right away. I mean, that's the opening game. And we all know that sometimes you're not really hitting your stride yet that first game of the season. The way the schedule was set up, it really forced us in training camp to make sure we were we were ahead of schedule going into that opener because we knew we had to play the Washington Redskins. We had uh, Roger Craig on the show last week, and, and he was discussed the uh, difficult path he has to Canton because of uh, the fullback label. 
you know, there's a certain sort of anonymity almost to the position. And the Cowboys, obviously, uh, in your days, you had the triplets and you. Uh, so I sort of wondered, did you feel sort of like uh, not, not even Ringo Starr, but the guy before Ringo Starr who played with the Beatles for about, uh, you know, and then everybody. It would be Pete him. Best. Yeah, Pete minute. Best. Yeah. 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 Pete, Pete, Best, Pete Best wasn't smart enough to realize what was uh, what was about to happen. And away. <laughs> yeah, I, was, exactly. I was smarter than Pete. I was smarter than Pete. I didn't walk away. Uh, yeah, but maybe I was uh, maybe I was the guy that set up Ringo Starr's drum kit. Uh, I probably uh, I probably give that one to Jay Novacek. You know, I thought Jay was a critical part. Um, you know, as a fourth member, I think the fullback. I wouldn't even say anonymity with the fullback position. I think there's more of a stigma right now. You know, you go back and you, and you look who's in the Hall of Fame, and I, I absolutely understand what Roger Craig is saying when you get that designation because it's a position that's changed so much since back when it was in its heyday. You know, the last guys that, that were brought into the Hall of Fame as fullbacks was in the golden era of the position. Um, you know, John Henry Johnson, Jim Brown, Marion Motley, Joe Perry, uh, Jim Taylor, uh, and, and I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that Jim Brown is in as a fullback. Larry Zonka is probably – you know, your, your, your last guy that was there, you know, uh, as, as uh, you know, that, that fullback that was actually the, the main ball carrier. There's other guys in, you know, Bronco Nagurski's in. Um, you've got some other players that were there uh, that were two-way players back in the day. But once we got out of the 60s and really the mid-70s, uh, as that position started to change, it's going to be difficult for anybody to get in with the fullback designation. You know, the fact that, that Rocky Blyer, statistically he did things that most fullbacks were not doing in the 70s. You know, he's not in there yet. Uh, you look at Jim Braxton blocking for O.J. Simpson, Matt Suey blocking for Walter Payton. Uh, the way that Tom Rathman really revolutionized the position of the West Coast offense as the receiver out of the backfield, along with being a blocker and a runner. Um, so I, I just, I, I think the Hall of Fame is, is really one of those things You've got to have a great resume, and statistics are going to be one of the, the important parts about that. You talked about the fact that the Pro Bowl was not even afforded to the fullback position until 93. That's one of the big criteria that's there. Statistically, the guys that played in the 80s and 90s and 2000s just aren't going to have the stats necessary. Um, and, and we'll wait to see what happens with John L. Williams and, and Larry Centers and guys like that that played the, the position and had some good statistics. Uh, but I, I just don't know. Uh, and you know, Roger Craig was a great player on a great team. And, uh, you know, it's probably that, no, 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 I'm not a fullback. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a running back slash halfback. There's a follow-up, but do you ever look back, uh, ever waste any time looking back at those guys, the John Henry Johnsons of the world, saying, boy, if I was playing back then, everything would have been different. Of course, you wouldn't have made as much money, but, but everything would have been different. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan of the game. Uh, I love the history of the game to watch the guys play the position back then. I grew up in a Packer household, so, you know, Jim Taylor was somebody I was very familiar with. I, I probably can be accused of being a bandwagon Dolphin fan. Uh, I, I was really getting into football uh, when the Dolphins were in the middle of their heyday, so I have always been a huge Larry Zonka fan. And then, obviously, with the Cowboy-Steeler rivalries in the Super Bowl, you, you kind of, how could you not be a Rocky Blyer fan? You know, I loved what Matt Suey did for Walter Payton. Uh, and then Tom Rathman, when I was in high school and college, you know, Tom was the guy, if if I was playing that position, that's, that's who I wanted to be. So I don't regret not playing back in that day. Uh, it would have been fun to be more two-dimensional. I, I really I think that's why I'm, I'm surprised that Rocky Blyer hasn't gotten more uh, consideration. You know, I, I think he's really kind of that last, that last fullback that was in the backfield that really was a dual threat. Um, you know, you had Franco Harris there, obviously, but, you know, Rocky Blyer was very effective. 
um, you know, from a fullback spot. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the, the way the game has changed and everybody's got their, uh, the reasons why and, uh, what they think happened. But, uh, yeah, it's, it just, it's a, it's a position that seems to be under constant evolution. And, uh, we're to the point now it's evolved so much that they don't even really need it. <laughs> they really don't even need it anymore. <laughs> hey, Daryl, thanks so much for the time and best of luck setting up Ringo's next drop kit. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got it. You got it. I'll see if we get, uh, I'll see if I get some autographs for us. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. That was former Dallas fullback Daryl Johnston. Up next, more on that Cowboys Redskins rivalry, as well as an MVP poll where you can and should vote. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valid at $45. It's a pretty good deal. But here's what's better. You get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944.